Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm Mike Burbridge, Director of Marketing Futures and your host for this episode. This podcast serves as a crossroads for marketers, innovators, entrepreneurs, and academia to discuss and debate the future of marketing. Today, we're talking Generation Alpha, those born in the year 2010 and beyond. This generation is growing up in a world of virtual assistants, mixed realities, and AI-powered everything. How will brands engage and form meaningful relationships with this new group of consumers? We spoke to Laura McDonald, head of consumer in North America at Hotwire Global, about a report they released on this generation. Let's get ready to talk about how brands are already starting to engage this group of future consumers. Laura, thank you so, so much for taking some time to talk about this incredibly interesting topic. I guess let's just start with why Hotwire went down this road when you know so many other studies are trying to figure out uh, what teenagers and people in their early 20s are doing right now. How did you kind of look beyond that to the long term and why is that important for brands and uh, for all of us to do? Yes. I mean, I think the report sort of started from a conversation that, that we were having internally and I've got uh, children within the Generation Alpha demographic as do a number of us at Hotwire. And so sort of anecdotally, we were you know, discussing you know, how as adults who are quite tech centric and, you know, I have an Alexa and a Google home and a smart TV. I think what impact is that having on our children? And, and we were joking that, you know, my son at four would walk into a room and instead of turning on a light switch, he just shouts, you know, Alexa, turn the lights on and the lights appear. And he just thinks that's totally normal. Whereas, you know, we have adult friends who don't have that technology come around our house and they're sort of, sort of shocked and amazed and also slightly frightened by that. And so it's sort of, we started talking about that sort of anecdotally, like how our children are growing up. Clearly, the adoption of technology has happened so quickly that actually, you know, we really need to understand um, and be aware of what's going to happen, you know, in the future to really understand kind of consumer behavior in the long run. And I think the third thing I'd say is how Generation Alpha adopting technology is having a massive impact on their parents. The sort of trends that we really tried to uncover in this report aren't trends that are only going to affect Generation Alpha. They're, they're also going to affect kind of, you know, mentalities, you know, across the board from, you know, a child that was born in, in 2010 to, you know, an adult that, you know, might be my parents that were born in the 1950s. We were talking a little earlier and a story you told me really put it into focus why this is something that advertisers need to start thinking about now when uh, your son was enjoying the feature film Aladdin. Yes, it was quite funny. We we're actually um, in the process of moving house at the time. And so being, you know, that sort of parent, you know, my um, daughter was actually napping and, and we wanted to do some packing up. So we sort of parked my son in front of the TV to, to watch Aladdin that we recorded off, um, you know, off normal TV and had put onto TiVo. And so put it on expecting that it would give us a, you know, a good hour of, of time to, to pack up the house. I'm sort of 50 minutes in, you know, my son comes running out to the garage. He's like, the TV is broken. The TV is broken. And we're like, oh dear, what has he done? Has he thrown something at the TV? Has it fallen off the wall? And we walk in and it's totally normal, but adverts are playing. And at three, before that, he'd never seen a TV advert because although he, you know, was definitely watching TV from an early age, sort of 20, 30 minutes a day, um, relatively consistently, but he'd never seen an advert because we streamed everything. 
you know, we didn't have to wait for a specific time like I did as a child growing up to watch a select cartoon. Now, you know, it's all at the press of a button. And it kind of really brought it home to me, the fact that he had never seen an advert and it was actually he thought the TV had broken because the cartoon stopped playing and adverts appeared. And Aladdin yeah. started trying to sell a truck to him. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't know what was going on. He had no idea. And instead of you know being interested by that, he was actually a little bit afraid that something had gone wrong. Um, and so you think about it from a marketer point of view and you think about TV advertising is, is key. There's a whole generation of kids growing up who have never been exposed to adverts and, you know, how they'll engage and if they'll engage with TV advertising in the future is going to be, you know, definitely different. If not, you know, there will be no engagement at all with TV advertising. Can you talk a little bit about first Hotwire Global as a company, uh, what you do, what you specialize in, and a little bit about the methodology behind the report with your sources? How did it all come together? So Hotwire is a global kind of communications agency. I describe myself as, you know, a company that helps brands better in, engage and connect with their customers. And it's all about kind of like, who are you trying to engage with? And then what is the, the best way to reach them? And whether that's through what is traditionally considered public relations you know, through media relations, through content marketing, um, influencer programs. We do a little bit of everything that really helps kind of brands engage and connect with, with their customers and, and ultimately have an impact on their kind of business, you know, business results. Um, and then in terms of how we um, created this report is we actually partnered with Wired. Um, so obviously, you know, I probably don't need to describe Wired. It's a fantastic magazine and, and media outlet that, that really kind of is at those pioneering in terms of technology and innovative thinking. Um, and so we worked with their Wired Consulting Group to basically interview a number of different kind of experts within this field to gather all of their phenomenal thinking that these guys have been doing for many years and then really kind of distill that into, um, into the report that looks at kind of those, you know, three main perspectives, kind of the effects of technology on the minds of Generation Alpha, the, the trends that are going to kind of really define um, this generation, um, and then how kind of organizations and brands can you know, use those insights to, to really understand how to, to reach this generation as well. Let's begin with the effects of technology on the mind of Generation Alpha. You know, your story of being so used to and being so not thrown by Alexa actually reminds me of something I heard earlier this year at a conference uh, where a marketer who happened to be a parent was trying to be, uh, you know, funny and brought out uh, Google Glasses that, you know, years ago he was told, you know, figure this out. It's going to be the next big thing. Everybody's going to have some Google Glasses. We need to be on top of this. So that didn't happen, but he still had it around. And, you know, it was hard and, and he couldn't really get the navigation down. But his son, who was about nine or 10 years old, within about 30 or 40 seconds, was operating the menu and switching between different options by moving his head. And it just, the things that seem so alien to a lot of us, mm -hmm. there's just not that hesitation for children. How does the brain development, um, how is it affected or is it affected at all? I mean, the brain is definitely affected. And I think the first chapter in the report, and there's a great quote from Michael Merzenich, who's a, the professor at UCSF that I mentioned, and he's a pioneer in, in what they call brain plasticity research. Mm -hmm. And that 
basically means that every kind of skill and every ability that we have is refined by how we engage our brain in the real world. And obviously a lot of what we're engaging with now is, you know, technology. And so a couple of the ways that he sort of really pulled that out is that our brains will become kind of more specialized. So, you know, previously humans needed to have, you know, a broad set of kind of overlapping skills to be able to like navigate the real world you had to remember directions for example and you know now we if anyone tries to my father still loves to give me directions to to certain places and I can't remember them past like the first direction because I know I can just type the address into to Google Maps or to Waze and I'll be able to get there our brains are definitely changing in the way that we can retain and and you know manage kind of information um, but that's also freeing up brain space to be able to go and you know do more other things and so you know i think he he coined it the kind of the rise of the super specialist because you know people will be able to you know not have to have space in their brains to 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 remember kind of more of those kind of you know organizational or directions or additions you know some of the kind of math functionality but actually use that for more intellectually demanding activities which is you know very interesting to see what that's going to do to you know future developments of technology. And that will actually be a very critical element of society in the mm-hmm. next 20 years because a lot of the the jobs, the non-specialized jobs uh, within the next 15 to 20 years may be fully automated. Yeah, uh, I believe there was the report said in the uh, U.S. up to thirty-eight percent of jobs by twenty thirty. Yes, it could be. That was from a a PwC report. So yeah, thirty-eight uh, yeah. percent uh, of U.S. jobs could be automated by the early twenty thirties, and particular sectors that be affected would be transportation, manufacturing, and retail. Those sort of jobs are definitely you know going to be at risk but then there's plenty of other opportunities as, as our world develops and I think you know there's obviously been a lot of negativity or concern around video games and the impact that that's having on children but um, there's been a number of different studies that actually see the kind of advantages that video games you know bring and um, there was a study done by Nature magazine sort of showed that you know video game playing is actually capable of radically altering kind of visual attentional processing um, and actually one of our clients um, is McAfee, the big cybersecurity company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of, you know, that's a massively growing industry with, with everything that's happening in the world of technology. And so they're facing a massive kind of, you know, employee shortage within their own company and with the industry overall, there's a massive need for, for cybersecurity staff and people to be on the front lines of that. Um, and so one of the things that they've been, you know, actively doing is, is saying like, hey, you don't necessarily need a university degree. We're actively looking for people who, you know, play a lot of video games because the skills that, you know, you acquire through playing video games are the, the skills that we need to fight cybercrime. So I think that's really interesting if you think about, you know, people worry about the technology and, and the effects that that's having on children, but actually not that I necessarily want my son to to solely play video games and, I, you know, I'm, I'm that hippie parent who wants them outside in the great outdoors the whole time, but there are actually kind of, you know, long-term advantages to them playing things like that for future careers as well. Let's talk about the technologies that will define Generation Alpha. And I'm seeing that uh, a, a connection of sort of the Internet of Things and AI-enabled audio, um, that is going to um, play a role in their lives in a, in a, a major, major way. 
Yes, absolutely. And I think I think that's already started, to be honest. I think, you know, voice adoption has been phenomenally rapid, but it's also so easy for the, you know, the children to use and be able to talk to. And and I think there are a lot of huge benefits of that. The fact that my son definitely thinks that Alexa is smarter than I am and he asks her questions more than he asks me. And if I don't know the answer to something, he's like, well, Alexa will know. And she probably does. So I think there's, you know, I think that adoption of, of voice tech has, has only just begun, but it's been so rapid. And so I I can see a lot of things changing where I don't know if screen time will will ever go away. I think people have been predicting the death of TV for a long time and I think it's just evolved. And I think the same will happen with, you know, phones and 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 even tablets to to a certain extent. But I, I definitely do think that there's gonna be a, a big shift in and the voices a way that people interface with technology above, you know, tapping things onto a screen. So of all of the technology that's emerging today, smart toys who are uh, trying to, on a mission to develop some emotional uh, Mm -hmm. intelligence, augmented reality making a a huge splash societally with Pokemon Go, is there a certain type of tech that's in play today that you think is at the most risk of becoming some niche or or not kind of making it through... uh, gen alpha's adolescence and into adulthood i think the the one that i would i'd say that i I think there will be increased adoption of it um but i do think it will stay within a niche space is is kind of vr and 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 vr kind of entertainment i think if you look at sort of how you know voice adoption social networks it's all about expanding your communities whereas vr at least you know very currently um is pretty insular. You know, you put on a headset, you're, you know, although you're in this virtual world and you can interact with people, it's, it does very much take you out of the kind of the, the physical world um, and the environment that you're in. And so it's a very kind of solo experience. Mm-hmm. And so while I think there'll be kind of huge adoption of that when it comes to, you know, video games, potentially even into a kind of broader entertainment. I don't think it's something that you'll see kind of everyone's going to be having it in, in every home and it's the only way that we're going to be interacting with the, the world outside of our home. Whereas, you know, voice is going to be huge. I think home robots are, are going to be massive from a utility point of view, like a vacuum cleaner, which is already, you know, that industry is, has, has grown dramatically. And I, I speak as someone who's got one. Once you've got one, you can never go back. They're, they're so phenomenal. But also there's, you know, that potential to be as useful and as engaging as Alexa, but also bring, you know, a touch of humor, a touch of personality to it um, and adding, you know, increasing utility features that you can actually engage and, and, and talk to a product like that and interact with a product like that. I think that's where you'll see kind of much more uh, mainstream adoption. I think you really touched on and distilled something in that explanation that the technology that's going to become part of our lives is either going to be by delivering utility or community. Um, That was a really great way of like, you know, there's a lot of noise out in the market. How can marketers and brands kind of refocus when there's so many different things? Um, What's going to provide utility to consumers? What's going to enhance the community of consumers? Uh, if you could give somebody who's really getting it right or somebody who's just a great case study or a model of a brand uh, engaging with Generation Alpha on their terms, in their language, do you have somebody who really stands out to you at the moment? Yeah, the one that I personally really like, and again, it's something that I've been doing with my kids, so it's on a, a personal level, um, 
I don't know if you've heard of this, but Procter & Gamble or will be in Crestkids had partnered with um, Gimlet Media, who are the big podcast company, um, to create a podcast series called Chompers. And it's basically a micro podcast, which they last about two minutes long. And it's for kids to listen to while they're brushing their teeth. Um, and I don't know if you've got kids or people listening have got kids, you know, like trying to get my five-year-old who's got his first you know, adult tooth coming through now to like actually brush his teeth for any length of time is a massive pain. But actually he really likes listening to this podcast is it's funny. It's got like science stuff in, it tells jokes. Um, everyone's slightly different. So he really enjoys the kind of whole thing around listening to the podcast. And you can literally, you know, chat at Alexa and say, Alexa, play Chompers and this two minute podcast starts. It's super subtly branded. You don't necessarily notice it so much, but definitely as a, as a parent, I'm like, this is super useful for me. This is a great thing that my son really enjoys that will actually get him to brush his teeth, you know, 30 seconds, top, bottom, you know, left and right, um, which is how long he should be doing it according to the dentist. And my son really enjoys it because it's funny and he enjoys the the stuff that they're talking about and, and sharing on this kind of very short sort of two minute podcast. And so I think that's a fantastic example of how a brand is, is using kind of new technologies, you know, podcast, Alexa, to create something that both parents and kids in this generation alpha particularly group are, are super engaged with and, you know, way more positively inclined to, to or being crest kids. Cause I'm like, these guys get me as a parent and what I need. And they also get my son because the, the content on it and is really cleverly done. So that's an example that I personally think is a great use of, of new technologies to bring benefit to everyone. So we're doing a next version of the report, um, which is looking at parents' behaviours of being affected by Generation Alpha. And I think, you know, I actually call this one out as an example because I think that, you know, brands sometimes worry about parents being really anti-technology and not liking, you know, technology for their children, even though parents themselves are probably some of the biggest adopters, particularly as, you know, it's now the millennials having children, which is frightening. I think actually what came out that was really interesting about this report, that parents actually know that their children love tech and parents see the advantages of their children being hands-on with technology. So parents are, are pro-technology, but they just have concerns about how their kids are engaging with technology, whether it's how often, you know, the screen time one continues to come up. And so I think brands thinking about how can they embrace technology, because that's what the younger generation is super engaged with, and they, they love technology, but do it in a way that isn't going to scare the parents off and, and shows that they really understand those kind of parental concerns and, and doing it in short bursts, doing things that don't involve screen time, creating those kind of more active experiences that utilize technology versus you know solely being about the technology is it's kind of the the big kind of insight that we're pulling out from the upcoming report laura thank you so much uh, for taking the time to go through this incredible report if you want to check out understanding generation alpha it's available at marketingfutures.ana.net under our future consumer category is it um Available also on uh, the Hotwire Global? Yes. Um, let me just double check the exact uh, link. Oh, it's hotwireglobal.com forward slash generation dash alpha. Fantastic. So if you visit there, you can uh, download the full report um, and um, there's some additional snippets and, and chapters and, and insights on there as well. Fantastic. Uh, Lord, thank you so, so much. And I hope we get to come together again and discuss the, the findings from part two. Yes, I can't wait. I'm really excited about the, the future report because it's, it's nice to have done the one that looks at my children. And now it's the ones that's looking at me. So it's uh, narcissistic, but fun. 
<laughs> My favorite kind of fun. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the A Marketing Futures Podcast. If you've got a topic or a guest that you'd like to hear in a future episode, reach out to us at marketingfutures at ana.net. We'll be releasing a new episode every other week, so make sure you check back. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about future consumers and other emerging trends and innovations in the marketing space, head on over to marketingfutures.ana.net.